look at that and say, oh, I know this game. It's achieve and advance. Mm -hmm. And what I say is only to a certain point because climbing the ladder is different. And that's the game. Welcome to Change Your Mindset Podcast, where it's all about believing in and executing on different and innovative ways to strengthen both your leadership and communication skills to help increase your success, and especially in today's disruptive business environment. One of the most effective ways of building stronger leadership and communication skills is by embracing the principles of improvisation. <laughs> yes, that's right, improv. Your host, Peter Margaritas, is an improv virtuoso. He's also a certified speaking professional and a CPA, also known as the Accidental Accountant. Each episode of Change Your Mindset is designed to bring you different and innovative ideas, thoughts, and behavioral changes on a variety of differing topics, with the sole purpose of strengthening your critical soft skills. We may call them soft skills, but they are the hardest to master. And when we do, greater success and growth is the result. So jump in and start changing your mindset now. Let's start the show. Welcome back, everyone. Have you been successful in climbing the corporate ladder? What have you sacrificed during your ascension? If you are near retirement and have been climbing the corporate ladder, if you could go back, what would you do differently? Well, my guest today is Dr. Alan Patterson, and he has more than three decades of international consulting experience in change management, leadership development, and executive coaching. In 2006, he formed Mentore, a consulting practice that focuses on aligning strategy, organizational structure, job responsibilities, and skill sets to major shifts in the business. His expertise has been tapped by many global and national businesses and organizations, including Anheuser-Busch, Biogen, Cadence Design Systems, Federal Reserve Bank, Johnson & Johnson, Hewlett-Packard, Major League Baseball, Merck, SeaWorld, and the U.S. Navy. Dr. Patterson has been a featured speaker, workshop leader, and expert resource for the American Institute of CPAs and the Business Learning Institute, and has given presentations to several human resource associations. He's also served as adjunct faculty in the executive MBA programs at the University of Wisconsin at Milwaukee, the University of Wisconsin at Oshkosh, and the Graduate School at Bryant University and Lesley University. Alan is working on his next leadership book, but doesn't have a solid working title as of yet. The book is due out in early 2022. However, during our conversation, he thought the title of the book could be Burning the Corporate Ladder. This is the basis for our interview, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Before we get to the interview, let's take care of a few housekeeping things. This podcast is part of the C-Suite Radio Network, turning the volume up on business. This episode is sponsored by Peter A. Margaritas, LLC, also known as The Accidental Accountant. Are you looking for a speaker that can bring powerful content, virtually or in person or on-site, that is memorable and engaging, 
in a way that motivates and inspires your audience? Instead of data dumping and numbing with numbers, imagine your people and teams delivering a financial story to your stakeholders. A story that creates engaging and relationship-building business conversations. Would you be interested in learning more about how that is accomplished? How would you feel if the value your facilitator provided your organization far exceeded the dollar amount on their invoice? Peter Margaritas, CPA and Certified Speaking Professional, delivers all of the above and much, much more. All of Peter's programs can be done virtually, in person and on site at your location or at an off-site venue. Send Peter a note at peter at petermargaritas.com and or visit his website at www.petermargaritas.com to learn more about what Peter can bring to your next conference, management retreat, or workshop. Please subscribe to and share this podcast episode with a friend. I would greatly appreciate your support. Now, let's get to the interview with Dr. Alan Patterson. Hey, welcome back, everybody. Man, my guest is now a two-time guest on my podcast. And actually, he was part of the original Improv is No Joke podcast. He was episode 73 that was published on October 23rd, 2017. Oh, my God. Oh my and God. my guest is Dr. Alan Patterson. Dr. Patterson, I will call you Alan because we are friends. I hope we're still friends. <laughs> well, we'll see after this after this podcast. Absolutely. So my friendship depends on how well I conduct this interview. First and foremost, Alan, thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule to have a conversation with me. Well, thank you for thinking of me, Peter. It was good to see you not, not so long ago. And I, I, I know, especially due to COVID and stuff, our paths usually cross once or twice a year yeah. to the Business Learning Institute. It only crossed once this past year on a, a Zoom conference call. I forgot what the topic was. Yeah, I do too. It wasn't this last announcement. It was before then. It was uh, before that. But we had a side conversation in the oh, chat yeah. room. And you were telling me that you started your next book. And I went, oh, I got to learn more about that. But before we get into talking about your next book, the name of your business is Mentore, right? Correct. All right. I'm a pretty smart guy, but why did you name your company okay. Mentore? It's Italian, right? It's not, it's not French. It's Italian. It's not French. It's Italian. Now, I'm going to explain to you the precise reason, okay? Okay. Well-researched. At, at the time, I was living in Rhode Island, so I'm not saying that's the reason it ended up being an Italian name, but putting that aside... The fellow that I was working with, I said, I'm very clear about my requirement for a name. I want it to be one word. And my goal is to make it a verb like Google. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, I can tell you Mentori is OK. It's clever. I am. I'm not even close. I'm not even an adverb. I'm just a plain old everyday noun. So my goal of being a verb has not happened. No one has been mentored yet. And talk about it like, oh, my God, you can't believe this guy. Well, what does he do? Well, it's better than Google. That's all I can say. <laughs> and that's, that's true. I, and I like the name. And, and you know what, Peter? I never thought of this. I know you're doing a lot of coaching, too. Is It's, it's nothing. When I started when I became mentor, because I worked with two other buddies for 
20 years in Rhode Island and we had a, a different company and then I went solo in, in 2006. I never thought, okay, well, I'm pushing, I'm, I'm moving toward being a coach. But the fact that probably most of my work now is more one-on-one -on -one coaching, then it works. And it's leadership development. That, that's that's your core, right? Exactly. That's what it's been. That's what it'll be. So your first book, the title of that book was? The title of that book was Leader Evolution from Technical Expert to Strategic Leader. Okay. And I do believe that some version of that you have recorded in the Business Learning Institute video library. Yeah, it, it, it was funny because I say the, the movie preceded the book. <laughs> no, yeah. Now, what happened was I was doing a lot of seminars around that topic. And it emanated years ago, not in the accounting world for me. I'm not in the accounting world. I'm, I'm one of those touchy-feely East Coast guys. I live in the Midwest and, and I was dealing with a lot of technical groups and now we call it emotional intelligence. Then we just said it was people skills, which it still is. And it's like, I, I saw a lot of people suffering and getting beat up in technical positions because this other skill set was not there. And as I, as I, played with that whole concept and had uh, and and at the time i was doing a lot of uh, seminars not in our workshops for bli not as many as you nearly as many as you but enough that i i met people and i started to create this concept and said well you know it it really is an evolution and i became a lot clearer about where people don't make the shifts or and where they do and why moving into strategic leadership positions while you and I may call that pathway somewhat different I could pretty much guarantee we're talking about the same things what you get better at what you don't what you don't have to worry about as much and and why you need to hire people smarter than you and so on and so forth so it really resonates with people in either technical organizations or people that have technical specialties like engineering or IT or, or even finance and accounting. And, you know, I hate the fact that Marshall Goldsmith stole what got you here won't get you there. That's just, that's just, that's like Ken Blanchard, you know, the one minute everything. It's like that, that just, why didn't I do that? <laughs> that's that's what what I say because that's really what it is. That you got this far, and now guess what? Moving farther along has nothing to do with how smart you are, what your specialty is, or even how much experience you've had on the technical side. Well, so as a CPA and maintaining my license here in Ohio, I have to have I can declare ninety out of the hundred and twenty hours my teaching and stuff. I had to go out and get thirty hours of other people's stuff. Oh, is that right? And, and as any, the P and CPA stands for procrastination. So the last week in December, yeah. I was working on my last 10 or 12. 
And I saw that I saw that course and, and, and I took it and I thought it was really, really good. And, it, and not that I was trying to steal material for stuff that I do. That was never the, 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 the premise. But I, I love that that angle. And I love the fact that we both think in the same way that, you know, when we promote you just solely on technical skills, we're going to Peter Drucker you and promote you to your level of incompetence. Right. And yeah. there's more to the job than just ticking and tying. Yeah, absolutely. So what is the, I, I know the book, you've got not really a working title on this next book. It'll be out later in 2001, but what's the premise of this book that you're writing now? Well, it's actually going to be out in 2021 because we're well beyond 2001. So that's that, okay. the 21. That's a, okay. Well, I, I missed the 20. About three years ago, I was trying to learn this online world, thinking that I would be able to take the kind of work that I've done in live workshops and even webinars mm -hmm. and put it out there for general distribution. I was working with someone that was putting me through the drill of how you create a funnel and all that kind mm -hmm. of stuff. Okay, it was good. I, I, I learned a lot. I dropped a lot of money and got nowhere with it. But I did get this. I was asked, well, when you think about what's going in telling your story, who's the enemy? And I thought about it for just, it was even a split, more spontaneous utterance, you know, the kind of thing that gets you in trouble if you were in a car accident and said, oh my God, I was on my phone. <laughs> I, I was looking down. I didn't mean it. I said, I think the enemy is the corporate ladder. Mm -hmm. mm. To which she said, well, what do you mean? I said, because it's, it's an illusion. It's, it's a mirage. It's something that people strive for that really it doesn't exist because, and, and it's not so much people's aspiration is to get to the top. It's that the lure and the promise and the steps that are required will lead people, as you said, partly the Peter principle that you're going to hit a level of incompetence, but there are so many twists and turns and roadblocks there that are embedded. But I'm, I'm calling that as I'm writing this book that climbing the ladder is really the road to I'm not good enough because that's where it ends up. Okay, keep going with that. So uh, to climb the corporate ladder is to basically yeah. say I'm not, I'm not good enough. You will reach a point at which as the, as the hierarchy narrows, if let, let's assume okay. we're talking about corporate America, Peter, okay. Okay. of which you're not a part, nor I, <laughs> for, for very good reasons. And, and is it, you, you start off and those promotions, those initial promotions are pretty by the numbers. You just have to achieve more than what you did the year before or in your previous set of objectives. But you start to reach a point that you don't get promoted or somebody gets promoted ahead of you. And then it's like, well, what didn't I do or what should I have done? And when, to me, when I unravel that in my own life, I mean, it's hitting the wall, it's getting, I'm calling it getting stuck. I realize there are so many other alternatives 
one of which is to go in business for yourself, but that the thought that that is going to bring you a level of satisfaction and personal success, I think is a complete myth. The corporate ladder myth. Absolutely. Okay. So as you're saying, like, okay, well, you, you kind of put it to, as it narrows, not everybody's going to get to the top. So is this, does, well, I, I guess the question is, can corporate America change that structure? Can change that climbing the ladder into something more well, aspiring? Well, they're trying and they're failing. And the research for what it is shows that only one out of three change initiatives succeed one out of three and, and changing the culture, which is an attempt to talk about broadening capabilities and getting people engaged is the corporate answer to what I think is restructuring the ladder. But the problem is, it's still based on the same premise. And to pull that off, to pull off a massive change in culture is tedious and takes a, a level of tenacity and the type of leadership that takes this on as a major responsibility and not a collateral duty. And I don't see it succeeding. And I'm, and let me just back up and say, people tell me, look, and I, I know people, you know, people that, that have done well. I think we share people in common, know people in common that have done that and, and will do well. So it's not like, Everyone should not climb it. What this has got me to, Peter, is to say, what is it that gives you, and I thank the millennials for this, because they're this is what they're articulating. It's what gives you meaning and value to your professional success, which, what is it? You Maybe you know the statistic. I don't have it at the top of my head. Is that 30% of your equation? Is that 50% of your equation? It is a, an identifiable chunk. What is it that constitutes success? If you say it's money and prestige and status and promotion and being able to buy the things I want and putting my kids through school, I'm not going to tell you that that stuff is wrong. I am going to say at some point, my experience is that it's not enough. Not enough. It's not enough to give you a feeling of personal satisfaction. And it changes. And I will say, when I told Shelly, my significant other partner, fiance, at my age is a little kind of funny to say, said, you know, I really should go out and interview somebody that's, I mentioned a particular person because look at the life that person led. They were, they were a, a litigator at a very, the, the largest law firm in Boston, very successful, made partner. I said, to understand, because I asked him about success, how he defines it. I said, well, it depends on, on who, who you're talking to and at what stage. If you're young moving into the, into the business world, you could say, look, having a paycheck 
getting a job is successful. People that, especially on in these economic times, say, look, I'm just trying to survive. I'm trying to put food on the table for my family. So stop this higher level discussion of self-actualization and, and self-realization, which is really what I'm saying, right? Be all that you can be. Well, that's not going to happen when you climb the ladder because the ladder doesn't promote you being all you can be. So what, what it says to me is that you've got to then, and for me, it's looking back at my life and saying, okay, what really matters to me most? And I realize that what another, well, an alternative to climbing the ladder, which is really what I want to make this book about, is what I describe as burning the ladder. And that, that incineration is not literal. I'm just saying as a mindset, it's not about putting yourself in the center of the universe and accumulating your accomplishments and putting them together as a package to continue to build. It's about putting people, others in the center of that universe and helping them be successful. And by building those relationships and helping with other people, helping other people succeed, you want the opportunities, they're going to be there. You want the satisfaction. I mean, I'm, I'm going to use Goldman as kind of the kickoff. It's like we're wired to connect. So why wouldn't that be part of the mindset you would use to build success in your career? That's interesting because as you were describing this, it took me back to my days when I worked for one of the divisions of limited brands. The thing about limited brands, it was all about climbing that corporate ladder. But, but there were handcuffs there because Wexner's philosophy was, I'm going to pay you more than the market can bear. So now, and, and by the way, 50 hours, that's a minimum work. When it gets to the point that I want to leave, I'm like, wait, I'm taking a huge pay cut. So I will ultimately end up staying or I will leave and then try to make that up. And a lot of people do stay because that wealth, but I, I would almost guarantee you, Everyone who has done that in there wishes hindsight, it probably should have left. Well, I, I, I looked at this and you've heard of the seven year itch. <laughs> yes. Well, yeah. The, well, yeah. And <laughs> the seven year itch apparently is based on research that people will sustain a certain way of life for about that time and then they get itchy and then it takes them, they move into a transition of roughly three years to kind of find themselves. Well, I, I didn't start with that. I started with the premise, Peter, and it was just purely anecdotal. The people I've dealt with at where I first heard this, what I'm saying is getting stuck or a state of stuck. Mm -hmm. It's like, when do people get stuck? Well, the documentable time and the one that I, I could see with my clients is somewhere in that 15 to 20 year place. Yeah. Because you're in your early forties, which one author says, well, you know, 50 is the new 40, mm -hmm. but it's that mid career when you're looking and saying, you know, I know what I've done and whether I've really enjoyed it or just somewhat enjoyed it or, or hated it. I've got 20 years left when you're in your forties. So I don't know if a career, what the longevity is. I mean, I think it seemed to be around 40, 42 years in total. 
you'd say, okay, I'm halfway through. What the hell am I going to do? So getting stuck, I'm saying, is going to happen. In your case, you're saying, well, yeah, but there were handcuffs there. And now you're stuck because I'm living in a lifestyle that says if I'm, I don't want to be disparaging about this. I'm not saying that, that people make bad choices with their money. It's you're living in a way that now you're beginning to question. And so can you avoid that? I don't think the issue is that can you avoid it? I think the issue is obviously how do you dig yourself? How do you get unstuck? And, and when you start to read what, what the recommendations are, it's what you would expect. Well, pull out a sheet of paper, which I've never done in my life, you know, list your strengths on one side and your liabilities on the other. I hate that, but it, but it does work. I mean, I actually created an outline today for this presentation. That was pretty amazing. But when you say that, I still don't think that's, the the answer i think the better more tuned in approach is that you have built or you will be building and, and continue to build not connections but relationships with others where those opportunities exist because you have these relationships and because you have said, and I'm, I mean, you tell me, I'm not sure whether you're making less money or more money, but when I saw recently here where you're, if you're interested in coaching, you know, dial 1-800-COACHING and so it's like, what the hell is that all about? So that you can make a few hundred bucks or a few thousand bucks on it? Well, of course, but what's different or more unique about that than what you've been doing and doing some of the other work. And I would say, and I can't speak for you, it's like, I don't know, can you have an impact, a positive impact on somebody else and help them? And how, how cool is that? And that, that's what I'm saying. How cool is that? And so, okay, what? You want to up your rates? You want to lower your rates? Do whatever you want. But the joy is not, I mean, maybe you get the car paid off or finish off a college tuition. But I really believe that those feelings of being successful are not, as they say, extrinsic. The money, I mean, this goes way back in motivational theory, right? Right. The money is just a hygiene factor. And you could say, but I'm desperate. Well, if you're in survival mode, then the key is survival. When you're not in survival mode, the key is not something that's ego-driven. That's what we've been taught to achieve and advance. And I'm saying bullshit. The idea is to find meaning and value by, by building these relationships and some other skills that go along with that. Alan? So this is going on the record because this is being recorded. It'll be out there for the public domain. I 100% agree with you. I rarely agree with somebody 100%. But here's, here's what I... So I am just turned 60 this past last year, end of the year. And a lot of my friends, are, you know what they're talking about? The R word, retirement. Yeah. Right. You're nowhere near it. I, I, I don't want to retire. You're on an upward path. Why would right. you retire? And, and someone said, but... That landing strip is getting a lot shorter than it used to, or the takeoff is getting a lot shorter. Who cares? Who cares? Is, is, 
as, as long as I can, you know, I, I love what I do. I work all the time, but then again, I don't think that I do. The, my family will give you a different story. And it's not all about the money. It's those relationships that, and the opportunities and the ability to use the creative side of my mind and to come up with ideas and stuff to do, which well, that's what gets me out of bed every morning. How can I help someone and what can I do to build to help them help themselves or help them get unstuck? Right. And, and when you think about it and this, I think this is where you and I, I don't know the other folks as well as you do with BLI, but you and I and, and Carl, I don't I don't know, um, a Greg to the same extent. Mm -hmm. It's like we got our own little thing going, mm -hmm. you know, life is just not that serious. I mean, what the hell? What if you're an accountant and you're into improv? Give me a break. <laughs> I say that's like that you're you're my version of a client, clients that I call right brain engineers. Mm -hmm. I'll take those folks every day of the week every day because they have something that says, yeah, I know I have a specialty, but where does the kick, where does the juice come from? And it's for you and me, it really, I mean, this is what I look back at. It's all the bullshitting around. Can you believe right. what uh, this or that when in the scheme of life, it seems important. And really what you realize it's the, uh, for me, I, I mean, I remember us sitting out on the sidewalk there in New York for some presentations <laughs> yeah. we were doing with Pam. And it was just, I don't, I don't even remember what we talked about. I just remember laughing a lot. Yeah, we, we, we did do that. And as you were describing it, I just, I just went completely blank, blank on what I was about to say. So keep going. I know it'll come back to me. Well, um, let, let me back up and because and I'm, I'm interested in, I, I don't know if this is going to mean anything. It'll mean something to one of my advisors who passed away years ago when I was working on my doctorate. So I'm putting in a plug for that. I have my doctorate and how smart I am. So <laughs> your listeners will know what I think of myself. And it his thing, what he taught that I just absolutely loved was game theory and not game theory like in the mathematical sense, but game theory more as a sociological thing. There was a sociologist that said, you know, our encounters, which is a great word, are a set of relationships that really exist as games because there are boundaries around it and there are rules that you follow and they're they're roles that you play and their resources that you have. So when you talk about a game of football or soccer or tennis, or, I mean, poker, I don't know, pick a game. You, when you're in it, you're in it, you know, what's expected. So here's what I've, I'm postulating and having a fun time and thinking I'm so clever. I think there are three games. Well, I can't help it. I think there are three games two two in particular that people are engaged in that we get sucked into and it starts with education and i would say post-secondary education for sure and what i'm describing in college or college and the game i'm describing is achieve and advance so what you do is you learn how to study get good get grades you don't even have to get good grades 
have to get grades and you accumulate all that and you get a diploma and that diploma in this in this day and age is to get you a job we can debate well should that be in in a technical specialty or should that be in the liberal arts and that's a whole other side discussion that's the game we're all taught that and part of that is I think based on the American dream, right? It's like work hard. I went out and I researched the pilgrims and the Puritans and I thought, boy, this is really neat. And I looked at it and I said, who in the hell cares? Who lived in Plymouth and who lived in Bedford? Nobody. Okay. Okay. So that's now go to work. Uh Look at that and say, oh, I know this game. It's achieve and advance. Mm -hmm. And what I say is only to a certain point because climbing the ladder is different and that's the game. Mm -hmm. And so at some point, your sense of value and accomplishment, well, let's just say your accomplishments are not based solely on standards. They're based on people's judgment. And some of those people are flat out idiots. (laughs) And some of those people are knowledgeable and have your back. Mm -hmm. But when all is said and done, why would you leave your professional development and the control of that in somebody else's hands? Why would you do that? That's like saying, you know, one of the biggest things, what's the biggest purchase in people's lives? I don't know. Is it still a mortgage? Yeah. You know, whatever that is. And people can be so naive and, and about a mortgage. And yet when they go out and buy a grill for the backyard, it's like they obsess about whether they're going to spend 200 bucks or 500 bucks. So my point is at that, that game is what I say is the game that's going to get you to a point where there's going to be disappointment, unfairness, being in a state of stuck is not the end of the world, but it does cause you to question. So you can approach that and say, well, it's not so bad. So I don't know. I mean, I can, and I will on my podcast ask you, well, tell me about those transition points. You worked for a company and now you improv theater and three books and Podcast, come on, where the hell did that come from? And then there's a story behind all this, a good story, an enlightening story, an inspirational story. And I'm saying, you are the people I want to seek out and both bullshit with <laughs> and talk and talk about stuff that I, I think that we think matters. Absolutely. Someone once called me a renaissance man. I said, I am not that old. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but you could be a right brained accountant. How's that? That way that would a renaissance man. You but are. See, but see, but I'm Greek, so I really should be in a restaurant. That's what I thought I was going to do coming out of college. But then I found myself in, in restaurant management. Then I found myself in banking, collections, then lending money. And then after that, I found myself in graduate school, working on a, a master's degree in accountancy, then going to work for like Price Waterhouse and Victoria's Secret Catalog and doing some consulting on the side. And then find myself in, a, in, in teaching for 10 years at, at a university. Next thing you know, I'm writing two books, going to write my my third one. And when I told my friends the, for the first time, I'm writing a book, it's completed. They said two things. Does it come with crayons? And is it a cocktail book? You uh, know, no. I would be flattered 
if somebody said, does it come with crayons? <laughs> does it have pictures? No. No. I never thought you would write a book. And I said, you know what? Neither did I. I never thought I'd write a book. Somebody brought up, I never said no. I said, why not? Why not? And, you know, one book, somebody said, if you write one book, it's going to lead to two. And then two is going to lead to three. And I'm writing my third book and I already think about my fourth book. And I, I find myself turn, creating a new, for that period of time where I want to slow down, I want to, I think I'm going to become a, more of a writer. What, what is it, Peter, now that motivates you to say three will get me four? What is it about writing that's intriguing and interesting? It, it's... When I wrote the first book, I, I, I didn't think I'd sell anything. I didn't think it'd have an impact. I, I gave a free copy away at, at a seminar. About three weeks later, this person contacted me and said, I read your opening. Stuff that you said in there made us look at our kid a little bit differently. We thought this person maybe have ADHD, but we poo-pooed it away. But after that story I told, they thanked me. And I have a, a very close friend who one of the had the crayons, but he read my book. And he said, after he read his, the first chapter, he was in tears because his son had some learning disabilities. People in, in, in the second book, they go, this is the way we saw it. This is the way we thought we had to present. But you just told me something differently, something I never thought about. So it, it's, it's that, you know, someone said, what do you do, Pete? And I just off the cuff went, I switch on light bulbs. You switch what? I switch on light bulbs. You yeah. Know, you light bulb, I switch yeah. on light bulbs. Now somebody told me, say, you can't say I turn on light bulbs. That might be something. Well, that's Southern. That's Southern. That's right. I am from the South, but. Yeah, you are. I yes. know what you mean to turn yes. it or cut yeah. it on, cut it off. Yeah, cut it on, cut, cut it off. off the lights. I got you. But that's what I love. I love switching on light bulbs. And if it's continually writing and, and, and stuff, yeah. But I also like, I, I, I'm so, I get very comfortable with the uncomfortable, and that's improv. When the pandemic hit, I didn't freak out. I said, I gotta change my business plan. Now, I, I, mean, I freaked out for a couple of days and periodically throughout this process, but for the most part, I've been revamping my whole business. What's next? What, what can I add? Alan, I hate the word pivot. Because- Oh God, puke. I, it, it pivot- and I have to hear pivot anymore, right. I know. Yeah. yeah. But I've, I'm, I'm able to adapt to any situation for the most part. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's, I can't. I have no control. Yes, yes, and yes. yes. I, I have no control over yesterday. That's already done. I really have no control over tomorrow, especially in the extended version of tomorrow. I have no control. I only have control over today. So why waste time worrying about things I can't undo or things I have no idea of? You look at me like I'm bullshitting you. <laughs> you are a, you're a ladder burner. That's a ladder burner. You are. That's exactly it. it. You are precisely the kind of person in the, you know, I'm saying it's career, but I, have you ever read Clayton Christensen? No. You know? Oh, okay. You got, you got to go, at least go on YouTube. Okay. Okay. I don't know if you can see how to it. measure how to, how you will measure your life. How we, yeah, he is a Harvard business professor. Yeah, I, do you remember a book a number of years ago? I think it was called The Inventor, uh, Innovator's Dilemma. Mm -hmm. he, he, that's him. He talked about how companies, I think it was in the semiconductor business, they were going after the high end 
market and smaller companies, nimble is not as bad as as pivot, but right. it's, it's <laughs> up there. The companies that were more nimble and could pivot and puke, they they started to eat bigger organizations lunch because they could go in the low end of the market and they cannibalized it. And then the next thing you know, they're starting to rise. It's like, okay, he's way beyond that now. And he has, and listen to him on YouTube, and this is classic and somewhere I'll put this in, in there. He said, when your life is over and you're sitting down with God and you're going over things, he's not asking you about, well, let's talk about how much money you made or tell me what your book sales were <laughs> or as he would say as christians would say god doesn't have an accountant he sits down with you and says peter you remember that time when you were with your son and you i put you were in that situation and here's what you did you remember that it's called, oh, yeah. yeah what what did you think Mm-hmm. that's what you talk about. Yeah. And I thought that is really friggin' impressive. That is. That yeah. is really, really. So he's saying basically that, you know what, and he's an older man now too, uh, you know, that maybe this is because of where he is in the stage in his life, but he, and he has, you would like it. I think Peter, because it, he can talk about issues of strategy. I mean, he was in business. Mm-hmm. He, one or two or three companies that, you know, he built up and then he sold. He talks about strategy and he said, every company that's successful has started off with a strategy and then changed it. So it's emergent. Mm -hmm. So don't think it's a straight line because it's not. And the ones that have failed are the ones that wouldn't get off it and so on and so forth. And he ends up with God doesn't have an accountant. That is going to be, you know, we, we provide these social media graphics for, for you to use to promote the uh, podcast. And that is going to be one of the graphics. It's got to be. Yeah, it's got to be. It's, it's got to be. be. It is so good. Peter, <laughs> let's go back. Let's go back to that time when you were working on a this. And I sent this guy to come see you. And it just. Tell me about that. You have to keep your eyes up to the universe because the universe does send you clues. Absolutely. The, the universe does send you these, you know, at the, you're stuck, whatever, then something pops either into your head or something happens. And a lot of people don't even recognize it. Well, one thing you've done besides selling, having millions of listeners and to your podcast and, and, and and places don't even have the internet. <laughs> right. Like, how do they do that? I mean, maybe that's not true. <laughs> Is your what I'm going to call fascination with improv? That really uh, that that's one thing. That's one characteristic about you that that I admire. That impresses me because it just. It, I mean, I don't know you that well to mm. say you know that's really not who you are. Obviously it's just the opposite. It really is who you are. It's just, it, it's just fascinating. And that's what I think what I'm trying to advocate without getting too mushy. And, and I, I'll tell you, I'm Shelly has noticed this. I'm really struggling with this book. Mm-hmm. 
because I it I don't want this to be as my colleague and close friend who who's written many books and a college professor says is expository writing and that's really what I'm doing mm. you know here are the three ways to motivate and then you know levels of motivation it's like okay and then it's like so what right that it's the so what I I realize the story and the narrative could really be what in, in a tone that we, that you and I are talking about now, and I and I and I think that would be okay. But that's not when I sit down. How I unfortunately think about it, it's like, well, let's talk about the different types of thinking and why critical thinking is needs to be is more important than ever, and what that means is X, Y, and Z, mm-hmm. as opposed to, well, this is how you know. It's not just critical thinking; it's curiosity, and that's what keeps you open. That's what keeps you whole. That's what keeps you yes and. Yes. And I I appreciate that very much. I am a student. I I love, I've never been from the theatrical side, but I've been trained through theatrical workshops. My my coach is well-known theatrical, but he's also looking at this now from a business perspective. And, you know, I'm not trying to make people funny. You're as funny as you're going to be. But I'm just trying to show an alternative way of, of leadership that exists in this country. Uh, when I wrote the first book, someone said, Pete, you're five years ahead of yourself. And actually, this person was talking to Tom Hood, and they both agreed. But since that time, I've seen more things written, and they might not word it as improv. Do you know what psychological safety is? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a, that's a version of improv where you can say and speak without fear of being punished or condemnation right. or ridicule. Right. That's improv. And, and yeah. The, the yeah. more what that a, I, you know, what a great I, parallel. It is. And I, I grew up in the seventies and eighties and nineties, and, and then that, that leadership style and, and that 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 leadership style of that that time, no longer. Well, how do I word this? It's not for these times. in in totality there there might be pieces and parts of it right but but this i'm the smartest guy in the room because i'm in the bullshit nobody cares nobody cares your mother that's the only person i say yes my mother was so happy when i wrote my first book she introduced me for a whole year my son the author yeah the second book came out my son peter (laughs) 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 so but it's it's you know i came up with this quote a while back the collective knowledge outside of your office far exceeds the collective knowledge inside of your office. Realize it. And, and you find office any way you want. Absolutely. So as now we're coming to the end of the, well, Ali, you know, we could go on for probably about another hour. We could. We could. We'll say that for another time. Maybe we'll pick up the conversation when you interview me. But what's your parting takeaway that you want to give my audience about this? Contrary to what you think and have had reinforced most of your life, it's not all about you. Oh, my God. I know, unless you watch the video, you're not going to see. Alan, when he said this, he leaned into the camera, straight into the computer, straight into the camera, and said that so precisely. And I just went, yes, it's not all about you. Nobody gives a shit.
<laughs> well, maybe we'll edit that out. That's just taking <laughs> it back. Listen, Peter, let, let's do this. Let's promise that we're going to do this again. I'm going to set up the time with you. Okay. And yeah, let's just do it that way. We, I mean, I'm thinking I'll read your book, you read mine. I, I think we just talk. I mean, this is this is a kick. This is. This, this is an absolute blast. And we're not going to let four years go by. No, we're not. Hell no. I don't have that much longer to live, so. <laughs> You're going to be around for a while longer. Shelly um, will keep you young. We'll see. <laughs> Peter, is that you? Peter Margarita, is that you? I don't know. I think you're What is that? Thank you so very much. I oh, greatly I, appreciate your time, and I look forward to being interviewed on your podcast soon. Right. Thanks, Peter. Good Thank to talk. You. Yeah, ciao. I can't thank Alan enough for sharing his viewpoint on why climbing the corporate ladder might not be the best career choice for some. If you enjoyed today's episode, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast platform. Remember to subscribe to and share this podcast episode with a friend. I will conclude with an improv quote that's fitting for those who are climbing the corporate ladder. No one will ever follow you down the street if you're carrying a banner that says, onward toward mediocrity. But is that not what you're doing when you climb the corporate ladder? Thank you all. Stay positive and test negative. Like what you just heard? Visit c-suiteradio.com. C-Suite Radio, turning the volume up on business. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.